Welcome to The Power of Three with your co-hosts Richie Woods and Tom Capone. We're very happy to have Rob Blount as our very first guest. Rob has been a social studies teacher and a varsity football coach in Oceanside for 10 years. He very quickly transformed the program with an energy, focus, and drive that now defines the growing football program. The sailors of Oceanside under Coach Blount brought the county championship back to Oceanside in 2017. Rob has been named Coach of the Year in 2010 and in 2017, and was also recognized by the New York Jets and New York Giants as the High School Coach of the Week. Rob was also a two-sport All-American at CW Post. His greatest accomplishment, however, is that he is the proud father of four sons, all of whom make it to their dad's football games every Saturday during the season. Rob joined Richie and me for our conversation at the Oceanside Library after a long day of teaching and coaching. question I have um, and I've thought since I've known you and watched you work as teachers and as coaches we constantly are working for kids to change and improve um, now Oceanside has been around for about 95 plus years I think and maybe we've had three county championships 38 55 77 I think um, I remember I was talking to Kevin Sheehan when East Meadow was going through a period of great success and I said, you know, why can't Oceanside do that? And he said to me, I don't really think we have that type of kid here. Um, and then you've been here 10 years and you came in here with a plan of action and you created change in our athletes, in our school district, in our community. And I know it didn't happen in a vacuum, but certainly it happened because of you, your leadership, and you're certainly the catalyst. So my question is, how did you enact such a great change in our district? It happened pretty quickly too. And was there anything in your background or your education that uh, grew groomed you to be a leader of, of people, a change leader? Well, I think, you know, um, first for me personally, um, you know, just having the ability of having great teachers and coaches, you know, whether I was in PAL, Youth League stuff, all the way up through high school, even college, um, I, I really can't honestly say that I had a bad coach or a bad experience, you know, with a coach, uh, you know, as an athlete so or teacher in the classroom. So that is obviously something that, you know, definitely helped out, you know, and, and for me wanting to be someone who can, you know, be a positive role model, positive image for individuals in a community or in a classroom or on a team. And that's been always something that I enjoyed doing and, and just knowing the positive effect that uh, my past teachers and coaches had on me in my life, you know, it's something that I obviously wanted to give back and, and give to other people, you know, that I would eventually touch, you know, later on. Um, as an Oceanside, it, it was a great situation, you know, being able to, to come to this town where uh, obviously very successful in a lot of the things that they do here in Oceanside, and we still are very successful in a, a town that's very rich in history, you know, and uh, one of the difficult things, as you mentioned before, is when you, when you go to a place that is um, successful in a lot of areas, you know, and, and you talk about change and try to change things, um, there's usually a lot of hesitation, you know, that leads to it. 
and um, sometimes you, you butt your head and um, you, you have to be willing to still believe that, you know, what your thoughts and what your beliefs are is still the right direction to go, although you will hit some a, a lot of bumps in the road, you know, right. as you go through and, and have some resentment, you know, from times. Uh, it definitely wasn't an easy process. You know, uh, uh, I think one of the most important thing when, in any type of thing when you're talking about school, it, it really all, you know, it, it involves kids, you know. So we, there's a special group of, you know, uh, young men and young women who are in the school district of Oceanside uh, that live here, obviously, and go to school. And uh, from the aspect from football, you know, obviously that's where I have the most connection, you know, with the, those people and obviously, you know, for the community at large. Um, there, there's always been a great, great amount of talent that's existed in this town. And the, the, the tough kid or the, the, the kid who, uh, you know, is a hard worker, you know, that, that's always existed. I think it's more about being able to try to find a way to pull that stuff out of them. And uh, that, that was hard. You know, it definitely was hard. But I, I think uh, we came in with a, a pretty good plan. Uh, obviously, we had a tremendous amount of support from the community and from the school board and the school. Uh, so that, that's really what allowed this to happen. I've seen a lot of coaches and a lot of teachers at different places fail, you know, doing some of the similar things that we've done here, and it's because they may not have had that support. So, I mean, that, that's something definitely to be noted that without the support staff from up top in the community, you know, this, you know, the, the place that we're at now 10 years later, we would never be there. Um, when you talk about that, you know, the changing the culture, that, that, that was our main, you know, motto, you know, uh, when we came in 10 years ago. And uh, some people were a little bit hesitant to it because uh, they felt in a way that it was a slap in the face, you know, possibly right. to the people who were already right. there, or saying that it that it wasn't, you know, that there was no culture here, or that there right. wasn't, you know, a good program or you know, team spirit, team spirit or town spirit, and that that by no means was the case. It was more of you know uh, fostering a, a new positive culture or a new culture that you know we can really you know unite everyone around. And um, you know, for our football program, when you sit there and you think about talk about high schools, you know, everything pretty much the start of the school year. You know, you always look at homecoming and the football team, and in every school, it's important. You know, and I believe that starting off the beginning of the school year is always important, and, and it does revolve around your football team because it's really a community event. It's it's, it's something that's unlike many other sports. But um, you know, at first we, we had some resentment because a lot of people felt that it was somewhat of a smack in the face. To, I guess you can say to the the old old realm or the old guard, but by no means you know did that ever that that was our goal. It was just trying to find a way to um, something catchy, you know, and, and, a, and a way to um, draw in you know some of these some of these athletes, give them something else to believe in, uh, because we knew there was something that was missing, you know, in, in that in that football aspect. And uh, we were lucky enough to uh, you know to to be a young group of coaches at that age. I started here at 24. You know, so, uh, you know, being able to coach, you know, young men that were, you know, seven years, eight years younger than me, you know, uh, obviously that was difficult at times for a little bit of separation. But um, I think it, it, it was something that they bought into. They trusted it. They believed it. And uh, we were able to see some positive results right away, not as in, you know, epic winning seasons and whatnot. I, I was actually going to ask that two or three years into your, you know, when you began in Oceanside. What level of success did you achieve? Did you start to think about your your plan, your trajectory? Where, did you feel you were on your way, or were there things that you had to rethink in two or three years into it? No, it's, to tell you the truth, you know, honestly, we, we kind of felt we were on our way after the first game. You know, we played uh, Freeport. You know, at Freeport, they were the defending county champions, and you know, we were we played them to a tight game. We lost forty-eight to forty-two, and um, you know, our kids were. 
know, they were devastated, obviously. At the same time, they were excited because they've never been in that type of game. Um, as we're going through the game, and even at the end of the game, obviously we're frustrated that we lost. You know, but I remember looking at Coach Supple. I said, "This may happen a little quicker than we thought it would." And uh, I, I still remember to the day, and um, a, a part of driving in that culture for us is the next day at school. You know, we walked in, and you know, everyone was like, "Hey, great job! You guys did great!" And you know, people were congratulating us. And from the outside, for me as an educator, obviously you want to welcome that because that was a part of building in that culture, and you know, and really, you know, rallying people behind a general cause. But honestly, behind closed doors, you know, with our with our players, you know, we, we said it's unacceptable. You know, because uh, we, we weren't about, you know, um, being happy about losing. Close. You know, and getting close. And right. I felt that was a little bit of what they were used to. So, you know, it was the, the message that they got is that, you know, that that's not, well, not what we're about here. And, you know, sure, that was a great game. But at the end of the day, we still lost. Right. And I, but that was also, I think that was great in the aspect where we, we found out that we, we may get there a little bit close, a little quicker than we thought at first. But also, you know, it was, it was a great teaching moment for a lot of those young men as well. Mm-hmm. You know, for us in, our, in the process of where we're at. Robert, I know it's not all about football. I know that you, it's important to you to try to impart to the kids on your team other lessons, life lessons. Um, maybe talk a little bit about that, what you brought to the program and to the kids of our community through those lessons and, and how you are a role, a role model yeah. for the kids. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, um, you know, athletics, I, I, I think the, the greatest part about athletics is um, the life lessons, you know, that uh, individuals can learn that people may not get at home. You know, some people aren't as fortunate enough to have two parents at home or have parents that understand the big picture. And uh, I think as a coach, that's really one of the main things that I've learned from, you know, my player, uh, sorry, as a, as a coach now, I learned that from my coaches in the past. But uh, also as a coach now, I think as a part of our responsibilities as coaches, it's, yes, sports are, yeah, it's wins and losses. You know, that's important. Everyone looks who wins championships and whatnot. But at the end of the day, like, we're in the business of raising young men. And uh, you know, or young females as well, young women. Um, but I mean, the hardest thing is to you know try to get that high level ath- athletics, but still keep the high le- level of you know ethics and morals. And uh, it's a tough balance, especially the way today is now and in, in society now. These kids could you know do whatever they want via phone, and you know it, it's tough to balance that you know as a coach. But I think some of the biggest things that they learn from us is you know just about you know the daily grind and you know, how to be responsible, how to be accountable. You know, you know we often equate things and relate things to um, you know you know tough situations at home. You know, maybe end up being the same thing for you as you move on later on in life, or tough situations on a field. You know, may end up, you know, coming back to you, you know, 20 years down the road when you get laid off. How, how do you handle that situation with your family? Do you walk out on your teammates? Do you walk out on your family? You know, so, uh, you know, those are those are really some of the, the biggest things that we really push. That You know, everyone gets caught up in winning and losing, you know, and that, that's obviously that's the easiest thing to see. But, uh, you know, the things that these young men, they get from this program, you know, is much more important than that. And, you know, long as, you know, I think the greatest thing for me now, year 10, now we're seeing for me to have you know multiple classes that are now out and multiple classes who are now adults, you know, and seeing them many people starting their families and people you know uh, taking care of their own family members, looking out for each other, and uh, I think that's the real victory here. And, and I, I mean, just obviously pumped and you know stoked to watch that for the next you know decade or so to come. I've said that to you a bunch of times in the in regards to the community because I always wanted you to know what you are doing for our community. And sometimes as a coach, we know we get caught up in the sport 
and the wins and losses too. But to see people, grandfathers bringing grandsons to the game, holding hands, and you know, to see um, our community come out on a Friday night and pack the stands, it's it's big deal in our community. It's important. Um, it's a there's a and back to the life lessons. Like I think that we both and we all through going through sports, I think we've gone through the difficult times and you're right, I think that that makes you a better person and better able to handle them. You know they're coming um, if you, and you go through a lot. You know, you, you fail a lot in sports, you do. Absolutely. So coming back after failure is... It's how you uh, handle adversity, what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. I'm wondering also, as a young coach, you came in and you created the change, changed the culture. Um, I, I'm just thinking of myself, and I don't know the answer that you're going to give, obviously, but how did people react to your mistakes? Were you allowed to make mistakes? I always felt I was very, very fortunate as a teacher and a coach because I made so many mistakes, and my supervisors and uh, my athletic director at the time, they saw me as someone who was basically going to be able to do this job well mm-hmm. and they kind of they they approached me about mistakes I made but they allowed me to make those mistakes and you know they still stood behind me how did did you go through a period of that time like did people I never I never made any mistakes yeah. <laughs> no. and that's no. why that's why you won the county End of conversation. No. and that's why I, I only got there and you won him no um you know uh, no. but um, obviously I, I made a good amount of mistakes and uh, I think it was good you know we had a great principal in the building at that time and uh, you know he he really was a you know you could say like a father figure as well just to to guide me as I go, went along and that was. Mark Seeker, no, he, and, he, and he was awesome, and Dr. Brown was our superintendent, and although I never got called in his office for meetings, but uh, it was good that, you know, every now and then ha- have a chat, you know, with uh, Mr. Secor or Denise Kiernan or Jeff Fries and our ADs at those times, and, you know, just pretty much give you a heads up and, hey, watch what you're doing, and um, I think, um, you know, for me personally, my, my first couple of years, to tell you the truth, I, I, I walked on eggshells. You know, I was very concerned about making mistakes, and we try to think everything out as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to make sure we had we didn't have as many mistakes as possible. Uh, just because, um, although like, there was always different pockets of people. You know, so uh, although you always have some some people that want you there and are very excited for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's also pockets of people who will question. You know, why is this person at the place that he's at, or how did he get the job, or, or whatever that Not was. Not to mention that. There are many, many experts in the stands. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, the experts in the stands, you know, that, that I'll touch on that in a second. But um, I, I think for me, you know, cause, you know, I, I was brought in be, to to fix the football problem, right. and uh, obviously, I was a social studies educator as well, and you know, that tied in the job with me, and I had to win over my, you know, my department. You know, because, you know, many felt that I just got a job because, you know, I was a football coach. And uh, I, I remember at least the first two years, you know, it was definitely difficult at points where, you know, a lot of people or some people would second guess you. And, uh, and I had a tremendous amount of, you know, obviously support from the social studies department. But, uh, you know, that, you know that, those are some things that people don't necessarily know. And, um, 
you know, so I really had to, you know, besides trying to turn around a program, I had to make sure that I was a, a teacher first. And, 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 you know, many people see me as coach or they see me in the community as a football coach, you know, but uh, I, I, I love my job. You know, I, you know, I'm an educator first, and, you know, uh, you know, one of the things that honestly keeps me going every day, even during the season, is, you know, the, the random 180, you know, young men, young women that I'll see every day, you know, whether it's criminology, you know, it's global studies nine with the ninth graders, you know, that that's that's the fun part, you know, uh, you know, and, and for, you know, go, going to practice is work, you know, that, that, that's, that's where all the pressure comes from, you know, but, um, you know, when you talk about all the the extra stuff, you know the uh, you know the fans in the stands or everyone else who's a secondary coach, you know it's um it's you hear things you know and, and for me when I was younger I really didn't I didn't mind too much you know because everyone is entitled to their own opinion and uh, we, we always have uh, an open door policy as Mr. Capone knows um, you know if you have an issue and you know you're right. a parent you know a family member you can come in. And we talk about my father or me, <laughs> <laughs> but we allow uh, we allow the parents to come and speak sure. if they have an That's issue, right, and because right, right. it's an open door policy. Right. But I also right. warn them that I'm going to be 100 percent blunt, That's and we'll watch a film. Exactly. And if you're not ready to understand right. why your son's not playing or whatever else the case may be, you know, th then you may not want to entertain right. that. They I second that too, and there are cases, not too many, where you can be honest with a parent and. They still might not accept what you're doing with their uh, son or daughter. You know? Absolutely, and, um, and you try to tell them it, it's okay. And but that's you, rare to me. In my experience, that was rare. Yeah, most of the parents understood, and most of the parents, if they didn't, would understand if you were honest with them. And then it would be rare that the, you'd have one or two that. Absolutely, you're never going to please everyone. I found that it's obviously easier to be, you know, straightforward and, and tell the truth. Um, you know, I, I think that the more difficult part has been as years have gone on, especially, you know, for me, years seven, eight, nine, ten. Now that, you know, my, my family, you know, is, is fully engulfed, you know, into this Elgin site community, although right. we don't live in it. And uh, obviously now with, you know, turning over, sometimes we have, you know, we're seeing a second group of, you know, brothers and, and, and family members. And, um, you know, my wife with, with our kids now, you know, sitting in the stands, you know, with many of these family right. people. Um, many of the members in the community. And I think the toughest part that I've had the last probably two years is um, I really don't mind, you know, when people say things to me. You know, if, if you want to come say something, right. like, I, I can take that. You know, this is my job. I'm a grown man. I guess the more difficult part I have now, as of recent, is where people are voicing their opinions, not being cognizant of the fact that my family and my kids are right. three, you know, rows ahead of them. You know, and that's one thing that I, I obviously don't have, um, you know, too much patience for. Right. You know, I've been there too. You know, so and that, that's difficult. And I, and I have to coach my wife through it because she gets very upset because you know she she knows how much time that I'm not home. Mm -hmm. You know, and spending trying to make these kids better and the program better. But I, I think out of anything, that's probably the one thing that's right. you know, as of late, it's right. been been more annoying than anything well, else. Oh, maybe you can cut this out, but I did have one situation where my wife, <laughs> let's just say, stuck up for me. <laughs> When she was hearing things in the stands, you know, um, let's leave it at that. <laughs> but that was where I wanted to ask regarding that. Like I know, as a coach and as a father and a husband, I found that very difficult because you know coaching was an obsession with me. Um, the time away, even in the summers, you know, whether you're doing your lifting, and I would take the kids to basketball camp. Um, how, how, how do you manage that? 
how do you balance I might be asking him this might be the toughest question but how do you balance your your role as a coach and your role as a father and husband I, I was going to ask a question to go along with Richie's question as a coach do you find that you're you're, you're a father of four you find that your your parenting skills and what makes you a successful parent impacts what you do as a teacher and as a coach or is it the other way around does your coaching and your teaching ability help you as a, as a parent I, I think that goes along with what you're saying Richie's saying no <laughs> I just shook my head because it wasn't on the audio <laughs> um, I think I'll touch on, on Tom's point there I think um, I think it's a little bit of both you know absolutely with uh, Without a doubt, if you're a coach and, and you have you know children, um, pretty much you know every year you know I have a hundred new children you know that, that come in. They need guidance. They need help. And a lot of the parenting skills that I've learned and acquired um, throughout the years, obviously you know that that is a big help to you know help run and raise you know pretty much these young men that are in my program. And on the other end, at home, I do see that you know that ability of having you know being a coach, especially now watching my, my young boys now get into athletics and even see them compete against one another. You know, um, you know, I handle things differently with them from the competitive edge. And uh, sometimes my wife doesn't like it too much, you know, but I said they, they need to learn how to compete. Someone, you know, there's losing in life. <laughs> Someone right. needs to get over it. You have to learn how to pick your brother up. And, you know, so those are important You're the coach. Things. She's the general manager. Absolutely. Yeah. She, <laughs> she makes all the executive yeah. decisions, you know. But uh, going back towards Richie, um, you know, speaking about obviously, you know, the amount of time that, that goes away, um, that's that's difficult. And obviously, as you know, it's extremely difficult, and um, it's tough to balance. You know, because especially when I started at so young, you know, when it I wasn't even married when I started. You know, so I, I can give you know 17 hours in this building and come mm -hmm. home, and my wife can still be happy with me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, obviously, as I started to have uh, my children, obviously that those hours started to wean back a little bit. But none of this would be possible without my wife, you know, and, and, and my family because they have 100%, you know, on board, if not more on board than, you know, many of the people that are on my staff or even, you know, people than what people see or notice that, you know, that wouldn't be possible. And I think the toughest part now is for me with my boys are now six, you know, four and a half, three, uh, two and a half and, and one. Where now it's things are really getting going, you know. Um, you know, I'm trying to fly the kids over to you know football practice and you know South Lacrosse this year. So I guess you know, missing on certain things, you know, th that's obviously hard. And um, I mean, fortunately enough, you know, you know, the games are played on the weekend, so I'm able to make right. a, a good portion of that. But you know, you know, a, a different thing for me this year was you know I'm, I'm sitting in you know Freeport Little League football practice at from eight to ten o'clock. You know, then I'm shooting over to the high school to get ready for pregame prep for you know a two o'clock homecoming mm -hmm. homecoming game, and that's a little bit different. You know, you know where there's not as much time that I can devote football-wise or, or school-wise or or you know Oceanside wise but some of that now I have to give back to my mm -hmm. family, and uh, that's always a tough battle. And you know that. That's the toughest thing to, to, to balance out, and that's a tough balance. There's a lot of reasons why a lot of coaches, you know, especially in high school, they stop after a certain time, and it's hard to sustain that for so long. So, um, How long did you coach, Rich? Well, I coached the varsity basketball 12 years, and but I, I was in that position. I was also doing baseball um, as a JV mm -hmm. coach and, an, and then an assistant, and I really felt I couldn't do it. Um, although my wife would be in the stands too. I just you know I'm a different personality yep. and um, 
I got to the point where I felt like I didn't want to miss the, my kids and I couldn't balance it the way you mm -hmm. are balancing it. And um, I tell you the one funny story, might as well put it on audio here, is that I, you know, basketball was my drug. Yep. And the year after I retired from coaching basketball, I was in the basement and I was putting together the electric trains with my little, 97, she was five, with my little daughter Justine, who mm -hmm. was five. And my mind is still on basketball, because it's Christmas, yep. and when it's, sad to say, but Christmas, it's time for Christmas tournaments yep. <laughs> <laughs> in a basketball coach's mind. So I was, my mind was scattered, you know, as I'm, as I'm putting trains together with her, and she looked up at me, and she said, Daddy, I love you. Remember last year when I didn't love you? <laughs> and she was five. That's so, a dagger. Absolutely. So I kind of said at that point, well, I think I made the right decision. And then coaching the rest as an assistant was a lot easier than being a head coach like oh, you are. Absolutely. You know? I think I'm already at starting to have those moments. You know, I think the greatest, you know, I had a dog. So that was the first thing I had. And the greatest thing about a dog, whenever you got home, he's always, he or she's happy yeah. as crap to see you. Right, you know, right, the right, greatest right. person in the world. Right. And uh, obviously with kids, you know, now at the point when I come home, if I come home from lunch and I come home and, you know, my, my little guys, I run, they're hanging on my, hanging on my legs. Daddy's home, daddy's home. Yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's, nothing there's nothing better than that. You know? And then I, I think the, 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 the toughest thing is, especially with the, all the functions that we have at certain times of the year, you know, when I come home quick, pop in the shower, and then I have to run out to, you know, say the Oceanside Community Service Dinner, whatever right. it is. And, you know, the kids are always like, Daddy's going back to practice, or Daddy's got a dinner tonight. So it's, you know, it, it's tough on that. And, you know, as you're driving away, you know, the kids sitting at the door waving, you know, those are absolute daggers. Yeah. And I don't know how much longer I can take those for, you know, but... Um, but, I, but I have to tell you this, and I'm sure that you know this. Being in the stands at a football game and seeing your kids, they are... They're really soaking everything up. They're just enjoying every moment of it. Absolutely. They really love being there, and they love that you're the football coach. So it's uh, it looks like it's it's working for them. Absolutely, there's a lot of benefits. There definitely there is a lot of benefits, and you know, I think even for for me personally, it's great because it's a way for me to be around my kids more. I think it's great for our players because they learn how to be, you know, big brothers. And you know, like let's take Jake Lazaro, they call him Uncle Jake. You know, he's over for all the holidays and all the mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, you know, it, it's teaching people on different levels. And uh, I think it also it brings out the the family oriented type of program that we have. You know, and uh, I think it's like it's really a safe place for for a lot of people there. Rob, at what point did you realize that you wanted to become a coach? I mean, was there something specific that that you experienced or? Just kind of evolved over time. Uh, tell you the truth, I, I wanted to become a coach in it was fourth grade. In fourth grade, uh, and, and Coach Woods knows I'm uh, John Eason, oh, who yeah, used sure. to be a head basketball coach at Lawrence, and um, he was a nut. He definitely was a nut at basketball, but uh, he was our fourth grade teacher. Something about basketball. <laughs> nah, John, I love John. Uh, you gotta love John. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I, I still see him. you know, and he taught, and he obviously taught me. And I think one of the greatest things with him is that. You know, uh, talk about the family, like in, right. instilling uh, accountability, how to do work. It was uh, my, uh, myself and two of our other buddies. Uh, he would always tell us to stay after on Fridays, like after um, after school. 
and uh, he would get the bucket out. And he said, all right, you guys get five bucks every week. You wash the board and do this. And then during the winter, he'd have us come to the basketball games and whatnot. But, uh, you know, and he did that every day. You know, every Friday. So it's like we had a job in, in fourth grade. And I was like, never wow. missed it. I was like, wow, these, these, these coaches are pretty cool. You know, and then obviously back then, in Lawrence was a special place when he spoke to the football coaches and we were on the sideline doing the, um, you know, the water boys for that stuff. So it was kind of like, you know what, this is kind of what I want to do. And honestly, I can't sit behind a desk for too long. I hate doing numbers. And uh, I couldn't get on a suit and go into the train, going to the city every day. So, uh uh, you know, so, so teaching and coaching, you know, it's the one thing that every day is different, you know, and uh, it, it's never the same, you know, and you always get something new, you know, whether it's, you know, a player, it's a coach, it's a field issue, you know, it's a storm, you know, it, it allows you to really be on top of a lot of things. I, I may know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. You, you've achieved the level of success that we're, we're talking about here and what you brought to Oceanside. But has there been a time since you met that success that you've achieved where you thought maybe possibly going up to the college ranks or beyond or um, No. You know, you know the, one of the interesting things there, that's always something that comes up. And, uh, you know, honestly, you know, the, the tough thing about that is that, you know, there's certain windows in your life, in your life when you have, you know, those opportunities to do that. You know, that, that would have really probably had to been right at 25, 26 when I was still young. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the greatest thing is, you know, I, I started teaching at 22. You know, I started coaching at 22. So, yeah, I, I had a great situation, you know, obviously with a you know, pension and a great job. And right. I've been, made enough connections and athletics and college athletics gave me an opportunity to make those connections to get to the spot that I'm at here now. Um, and the difficult thing about moving to college is that you're, you, there's no security. You know, and, um, you know, you have two seasons, you're out, your family's moving to Kansas, then you're going to Syracuse, and you're all over the place. So uh, that, that's never really been something that's been, you know, high up there. You know, obviously, you know, things can always change, you know, but, uh, you know, I, I think in a region that we're at, we don't have that type of, uh, you know, program that's, you know, local, you know, so it's tough to make that type of jump. And, you know, obviously being a teacher, you know, there's some great perks to it, and being a coach obviously has great perks to it. And just being invested, you know, being invested in here for 10 years, it's, you know, it wouldn't feel right leaving at this point. You know, there's so much that's there and so much more that, you know, we're excited about seeing, you know. So, uh, you know, I I love being here. We wouldn't let you leave. (laughs) (laughs) We'd stay, we'd be at a big parade. There's no way you could leave. So, yesterday was the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 53. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the things that I saw yesterday reminded me that uh, it was 50 years ago that Joe Namath predicted, no, he guaranteed yep, Super Bowl that win. they were going to win over Baltimore, mm-hmm. which they did. Mm-hmm. As a coach, the day before county championship game, your captain, your quarterback, is quoted in Newsday as saying, I guarantee we're going to win the county championship. <laughs> you better play well. <laughs> Honestly, if uh, if, they, if that happened, well, that's kind of why we we talk them through all their comments with the papers. They get a little little media class before the before they get in front of the camera. But um, you know, if a player was to say that, or, or the quarterback was to say that, and that's not a good felt, you know, I support them. I, I'd be I think I'd be extremely nervous myself because I have to call a really good game to make sure he'd be in the right situation. As a quarterback, though. You need to have a certain amount of a little moxie, moxie, oh, yeah. self confidence. Right? Absolutely, 
Um, you know, for an individual to say that, they obviously feel very confident about themselves. For Joe Namath, who knows? He may have been out late on a Friday night. <laughs> but, um, no, absolutely. You know, it, I would be excited, you know, if someone said that. You know, obviously, I would, as soon as that was said, I would start to worry about the damage control, you know, if, right. if you know, if there's something like wrong no happened. would be posted. And a- absolutely. Around, right? so, That's for sure. Did anything like that happen to you as a coach? Were your kids, somebody said something that... Nah. Put the team on the spot. The only thing that uh, I felt like was a guarantee was when the year we were going to win the state championship, um, we just looked around at the kids, and I kept saying to Andy, "This is it. We're done." Like I was just Andy worried that whole year, and I was just happy that whole year because <laughs> as an assistant coach, you have that luxury. You can be, right. you can be a little more happy and not worry. Right. And at the end of that practice. I remember all the kids are taking a knee, and there was just this big rainbow over the practice. And I pointed up to the rainbow. I said, "Andy, that's it. That's the signal. We're done. We're going to win the states this year." And we did. I didn't say that to the paper, though. Just said it to Andy. Did you feel that way two years ago? I think you know, going into that season, um, we knew that we were the favorites going into that season. And you know, although we struggled the year before, and I think one of the toughest things is you know, I sit there and talk to. Joe Supple and Brian Ellis and Eric and Derek, which a bunch of guys have got working on the staff, and it's kind of we sit there. And certain years we look at look at each other, and, and you know Joe and I go, "Hey, we can't mess this one up." <laughs> and uh, in, in a way, you know, when you know you're blessed with you know great athletes and, and a good team that's, that's exactly been through it, the right approach as a coach. You don't want to. That was something that uh, whether it was Coach McMullen. Or Coach Skirbo would just say, don't screw the kids up when they're good. Absolutely. Just let them go, you know, let them play, and it's the best lesson. I I think that, you know, even like with that, um, I I think back to that year, and, um, you know, we were high-flying, putting up all types of points throughout the year, had a great defense. But I think for me, even like the growth of the coach and some of the guys back when we talk about, you know, know, looking back and they said, oh, if we had you, you know, when, you know, 2010, we may have been different. I said, actually, I agree with you now because – I remember making decisions in those type of big games as a young kid, as a young man, really. And uh, even like we played Freeport, you know, two years ago, where we sat there and it's raining. We have a ten-point lead. We pretty much said, "All right, Joe, finish a game. We're, we're not going to mess up on offense. You know, mm-hmm. make sure they don't score ten, ten points. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you, you learn a little bit as you get older there too." Speak about softball a little bit because that's your uh, right-hand man, yep. right? Uh, I see him working right now in basketball, and he's never outcoached. He's always got the kids ready. He's always got a good game plan, and he's a very, very good game coach. But he, like you when you were early with your football team, he's getting them all the way to the edge, and they're having a tough time right now. And I could see it in his eyes. And uh, But I really, you know, I told you guys from the beginning, but I really admire you guys as coaches. And... Uh, Certainly, I, I look at him, and he, he really can do the job. Absolutely. Know, I mean, uh, he, he works his butt, butt off. I mean, it, it, there's not a lot of people that work harder than he does. And uh, you hit it, whether it's football, whether it's, you know, when he was doing softball, he was a psycho with softball. Right. And county when, championship. Yeah, county championship, and then, you know, walks away. And then, you know, and same thing with basketball. They are, the players always prepared, always coach. And I, I think that's the biggest thing that, you know, we, we firmly believe in is that we'll never get outcoached or out-prepared. Right. You, know, uh, you know, usually if a team is better than us, like this year, Freeport was just naturally better than us. You know, and uh, I think his will to prepare is something that, and in, in our will to prepare, and many of the other coaches who are now really buying into that mindset 
um, you, you see the confidence in the athletes because they, they know that they're being prepared and really it's up to them. You know, mm -hmm. they, they have an opportunity to play and, you know, whatever happens from there, you know, it's a lot on them. And, and they like that. You know, the, the players, like, there's never a doubt about a, a game plan or what we're doing, you know, when we go into some of our contests. Rob, I wanted to say that um, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And my understanding is, is that there are other coaches now who are doing something that you started two years ago or three years ago with our middle school kids, yep. the signing day. Absolutely. I can talk a little bit about that. That, that was brilliant. Yeah, um, you know, well, with social media today, you know, and uh, the college process, which is absolutely out of control now, you know, they uh, they bring bring the players up, and you know, they have their signing days on their junior days. They come on visits and they take pictures in their jerseys, and they sell their program to them. And um, you know, we got to a point where actually we're trying to you know inject a little more life into the program and do something that hasn't been done. So uh, we we had our own little you know eighth grade you know commitment night. And um, pretty much how it worked is we usually always had an eighth grade meeting, right? And the kids come in and we give them a little spiel about the program. And he said, you know, let's juice it up a little bit. So, you know, we had their, their jerseys out. And we had the biggest class that we've ever had. It was 40 players. And uh, it was our our eighth, our ninth grade class now, which has some special players that, in it. That's saying a lot because, if I'm correct, the, the numbers of kids playing football Dropped. is diminishing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, so, and the numbers in Oceanside are not. No, it stayed, it stayed the same, if not better. I mean, we actually, that year we had a spike. So we had about 42 players that came in uh, this year in 2018. And two of those guys, one of our, our, our starting quarterbacks, a freshman, and the other one uh, at starting tight end. You know, we got some uh, immediate impacts out of those two. But um, besides that, but I mean, it, it was great. The parents loved it. They saw that it's more into it. They, you know, we got a little buzz for the kids. I think we retained a couple more kids in the program, which you usually lose in that in that transfer period. And I, I think really the coolest thing is that, you know, uh, USA Football wrote a really nice article on it. And it, in a way, it's kind of like uh, I created more work for myself because <laughs> I, started, I, started, I started, well, every year now, every year now I have to do it or else, you know, some parents going to say, <laughs> you you, you're shorted out my kid. You better do it for lacrosse like, now, too, because uh -huh. you did it for football. Yeah, that's what they're going to say. Uh, we don't have enough time for all that. <laughs> but, uh, but, but I started getting emails from, like, from uh, coaches from, you know, throughout the country. Hey, it's a great idea. You know, can you send me what you did? Said, sure. You know, and, I, you know, a couple of people in NASA, they, they're going to start doing it too as well. And that's great. Cause that's they, great. You know, They'll never forget that. No, no, absolutely. Right, and right. the kids love it. You know, and I can't, I really can't wait until uh, this group, until 2022 when they're leaving. Because they'll have some, you know, pretty nice pictures on the way out, that's you so know, cool, seeing those yeah. guys on the way in. And, I'm going to uh, take a left turn now. Ready? You... Your philosophy on offense is way different than Oceanside has ever seen, certainly, but also way different than other coaches in still in our county. Um, so a couple of questions. You throw the ball a lot, mm -hmm. right? And so one question would be, like, did that evolve or was that a game plan coming in and have other – schools started to do it more have you noticed since since you had that success um i think it has evolved you know being a quarterback obviously you know, that, that was a part of the you know watching high school football you know um the hardest thing for many people to do is throw the ball and find people to catch the ball um one of the things after evaluating you know when i was watching film on the kids that we had here in 2009 coming in 
one of the things that we saw, we had a tremendous amount of athletes. I know baseball and lacrosse are obviously very prominent in here. And, um, you know, I had the ability to go down and, and watch a lot of the baseball games and, uh, and lacrosse games in the spring of 2009 and start looking at some of these guys that we had. And, you know, um, we, we had athletes. We, had, you know, we convinced them by putting them in space and said, you're not going to get crushed inside of the middle anymore. And, you know, they really bought into that. And we've been fortunate here where we've had, had great quarterbacks. You know, uh, you know, we've had six, I mean, six quarterbacks since I've been here. Five out of six of them have been all state. You know, so uh, we've had great kids. That, that, that makes that easier. And uh, I think really it's, it's not that we're, uh, we're infatuated with throwing the ball. You know, there's been some years, you know, especially in Tom's case, where we sat there and ran the ball more because that's what that's what we were better suited for at that time. Uh, we pretty much will take whatever's given. If you're going to give us something that's in the air, we're going right. to continuously take it. Um, but it's you know, so different than anything I've ever seen in high school football. So it's almost as if you know you think about something that's been done wrong for all these years, and all of a sudden there's a new way to do it. And like you said, it's, it depends on the personnel. But for years, you know, run mm -hmm. the ball, run the ball, run the ball was high school football. Absolutely. And it, 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 it's, a lot, it's a lot more fun to watch, that's for sure. I agree. But, yeah. I mean, your success with it is amazing, I think, too. I, I think, honestly, now like, we don't think twice about it. You know, when some people, when they sit there and, you know, you throw the ball, like, oh, if he drops it, you're second and ten. For us, it's like all right. It's just it's getting stuffed on you know on mm -hmm. first down as well. So we, we don't you know take those things as right. a, as a negative. It's kind of what we do, and right. we, we may That's drop the idea. ball four or five times in a row, but we may catch it seventeen times. So in a at row. this point, are you a passing coach, or will you reevaluate? I mean, you have to reevaluate a little bit, but are you going to predominantly be a coach that likes to pass a lot? Um, I think, you going know, forward. going forward, I'll tell you what, for the next three years, oh, yeah. <laughs> we're oh, going yeah. to throw the ball a lot. We're going to throw the ball a lot with that kid. Right. But, um, no, I, you know, that, that's always a part of our mentality, you know, but uh, we're never going to shy away from the run. You know, we have some pretty talented running backs, actually, for this year, so that may change a little bit what we do, and we'll find different ways to get him the ball. You know, and you sit there and look at, you know, he's brought up Super Bowl and you look at Tom Brady where, you know, he had years where. Well, even yesterday, yeah. you know, at one point he's handing off, handing yeah, off, handing off. I was surprised. And then, you know, there's been years with Randy Moss and those guys where he drove the ball down the field and now we, everyone yells at him because he dinks and dunks and they make fun of him. But it works, right. you know. So I, I think we do something that a lot of people aren't willing to totally buy into. And uh, it, it's kind of, it's still taboo, you know, in our conference. And I think we're really the only team that really consistently throws the ball 30, 40 times a game, and I think it helps us out, helps us out a lot. With your quarterback, McKee, McKee yep. Was he, was he on your radar as a seventh grader, or did you see something in him in Stallions <laughs> football? Where, where, where did he come from? It's a, this is going to make a great, you know, 30 for 30, like you know, four or five years down the road, but um, he actually, he, he didn't play football until seventh grade. He played wide receiver. And then um, eighth grade, he just picked up the ball and threw it a couple of times. And uh, Coach Antisaban saw him and, uh, you know, gave him a shot to play a little bit of quarterback. And, you know, from there, you know, the rest is kind of history. And Well, I can tell you one place he came from because I coached his dad in baseball. <laughs> and his dad was probably one of the best baseball players we've ever uh -huh. had here. Strength, speed, power, and a, an outstanding arm, you know. That's like, uh, who's the quarterback? Douglas. Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes, yeah. His father was a, a pitcher. Right? For yeah. the Mets. I'm not sure where he was at exactly, so but he, I know he did that. He's in his jeans, I guess. 
Yeah, but he, and it kind of it stumbled by accident. You know, we had a backup in 2017, the championship year. We're at week six, and we're playing a Baldwin for senior day. We're 5-0, and we're rolling, and um, it happened. Actually, there was a, a Sweet 16 on a Friday night going into the game, and, um, you know, our quarterback, our backup quarterback at that time, um, decided that he wasn't going to go. At least said that you can't go to the um, Sweet 16, you know, or you'll be, you know, suspended indefinitely. Uh, being that we had a game the next day, and you know uh, he made a decision that he wasn't going to play, so therefore that he kind of removed himself from the team, and we split ways. I mean, after that, there was a phone call, and hey, get the get the two or three middle school quarterbacks up there, and they were coming by after after their own practice, and you know they they were with us ever since. Coaches are always tested to see if they are going to. I found that to be one of the hardest things. I wonder with you, my season would be through two vacations. <laughs> so I had Christmas mm -hmm. and we had the February break. And we also had a rule where you had to be at practice every yeah. day if you want to play for the team. And it, it was pretty, it was difficult, you know. Um, it's a difficult thing because sometimes, we, obviously the rule was different based on the age of the player, mm -hmm. like ninth grade. Yeah, you just speak to way. them, right? <laughs> Tenth grade, maybe you suspend them a day, you know, as a JV kid. But now varsity, that's it. You, know, you pretty much have to be there every day. And I found that hard, like, you know, to deal with those situations. And some of them were tough where you had to. Uh, well, some are tough because um, it's uh, sometimes when you, those situations come up, it's a lot of times <clears throat> it's out of the player's control. Right. You know, so, you know, the family, you know, books a vacation or something happens, you know. You try to give some leeway, you know, with that where you can, but you know, at the same time, you you got to keep your morals and principles there as well. So, it as a coach, it's a lose lose, you know. I think, and you know, as a player, it's a lose. Everyone loses. Yeah, as a coach, though, what I counted on was the kids. After a certain amount of time, do have some equity. Yep. So, you know, if a kid's been in your program from seventh grade. And he's in 12th grade now, and his parents are, you, I, you know, there were guys I didn't cut loose. I suspended them yep. a little bit, but, you know, and then, but then also you get the criticism from parents and outside people who don't understand what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Why do you kick one kid off the team? Absolutely. When the other kid is suspended for two games, what they don't understand is maybe the one player, you know, just decided to come out as, as a lark his senior year. Mm -hmm and said, I, you know, I'm going to be gone for a week. Absolutely. And then you, you, you had to cut some of those kind of kids, you know. It's you always hard. have different situations, you know, for, uh, for different for different players. And we say everyone gets the to other shape. The thing is, not, you know, not the you, same shape. as a coach, you love the kids, yes. too. Like, so there have been situations probably with you, too, and, and with me, where a kid does do something, it might be alcohol or drugs, mm -hmm. you know, and... The easy thing would be to cut him away. Absolutely. The harder thing for <laughs> the keep coach <laughs> is to keep him around to try and get him help yep. and then handle the wrath of people who don't understand what you're doing. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, because you love these, it's like your kid. Mm -hmm. You know, they have their parents, but then you love these guys. And, you know, it's hard to cut them loose if they had a problem yeah. like that. I, I you agree. Know? Uh, you know, we, we deal with that all the time and, you know, situation even now today with the old vaping thing. Right. You know, and, and it's it's rampant in the schools right. and, and outside, and we know it happens. And uh, you know, the toughest thing is, you know, where do you draw your lines for your program, and then where do you draw your lines for, you know, helping you know, young man and young woman out? And it's tough. 
know, mm-hmm. because uh, you, you have to find a balance, and, and definitely some people have more money in the bank <laughs> than, than right. others. Mm-hmm. And uh, but you, but you try. But I also have seen that, especially now, this day and age, sometimes it's a little bit easier just to draw the line straight across, and so be it. Just because you end up protecting yourself later on down the road. You sound like my dad when I would be faced with these things. I said he would exactly say to me, "Just stick to your guns," you know. But I had a hard time with that. Some in a few cases, mm-hmm. you know, because you think about the kids so much. Rob, are you a, a superstitious coach? Do you have rituals? Um, <laughs> uh, I guess so. You know, I, I do have. Some, I wouldn't say that I'm like totally superstitious. As if if something doesn't, if I don't do something, like we can't leave. <laughs> but um, you know. We do certain we do a certain thing every day. Like we have the same routine for us pregame. Um, for me personally, in the morning I wake up. I always get breakfast in the morning. Uh, usually, I you know end up going with the quarterback and we get something to eat. We we'll go watch a JV game wherever it is. Um, I think one of my my weird things is we do pregame walkthrough, and then uh, after we do pregame walkthrough outside in the back, you know the players go get ready to get dressed before they go to the field. I always take a shower before. You know I end up going to the field for pregame. That's a weird thing that I do. I'm a big orange, orange or blue Gatorade guy. <laughs> Whenever I enter the field, I always have an orange or blue Gatorade. Um, I'm a big red Sharpie. I like like red Blue and white? Not blue and white. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I tell you, I tell you the truth. Orange is orange is my favorite. <laughs> you know, but then when when uh, you know the, when the student assistants they don't pack an orange, I gotta go for blue. But um, Coach I, Morris, the year we won the states, he rather than wear the uniform shirt. He started wearing, of course, in the cold, his pullover. Uh-huh. He wore that pullover every single game. And the last games we played was in June. It was smoking hot. And he, it looked like a baby blanket <laughs> that had been chewed by the baby for yeah. four years. And it was just garbage, you know. But yeah. he was a little superstitious. Not, not, nothing over the top, but little small things. I don't think there is anybody associated with sports who's not a little bit, to some extent, you know, just a little thing. If you, you change one thing, that could mean everything. Yeah, everything. I think I guess with uniforms, I, I would say we're somewhat superstitious with, with that type of stuff. Like if I know we're playing a team twice and we lost the first time, we won't wear it. But there's certain combinations, we wore a combination and we got smoked. We yeah. we wouldn't wear that. You know, uh, whenever we wear all grays, we've never lost in all grays, so <laughs> we always save those for the big games. <laughs> so that, so that's exciting. I love but. those blue uniforms that you guys wore against Farmingdale. In the snow? Oh, yes, no, absolutely. Game. Yeah. I remember that game. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget that game. That, those were cool uniforms. Yeah, yeah they were. The first alternate. <laughs> Before people had a heart attack. <laughs> How's your relationship with other coaches in the league? Um, you're, you come in and you're brash. Um, you come in and you're, you're successful. And you have, you've beaten some coaches that they kind of almost expected, you know, this is Oceanside. Here they come again. We're going to beat them again. And how does that affect your relation? And when I say relationship, I don't mean that you're hanging out with these guys, but you do have to work with them. You go to the meetings once a month maybe. You talk about awards and setups for the playoffs. How how is it? How's your relationship with the other coaches? Um, Overall, I think it's good. You know, we definitely had some rough patches, you know, starting off. I was fortunate enough to know some of the um, older coaches in our conference for a while just from my connection with uh, my high school coach, whether it's, you know, Coach Kumanaker, 
you know, Coach Sellen, uh, Coach Massia, Coach Carroll, a lot of those guys, I don't think the cool thing for me, but to, it's actually really cool for me, is that I played against all those guys, you know, when I was in high school, you know, being at Lawrence. So now being able to coach against them is obviously something that's pretty cool as well. Um, you know, when I first started, you know, uh, obviously a part of, you know, the culture and, and, and part of, you know, what we're trying to be is, you know, with a little bit of, you can say, macho-ness or bravado or swag, you know, that, that, that we needed to have. And that definitely rubbed some people the wrong way, you know, because we did things, and we still do do things differently. You know, a, a lot of the coaches that were in the conference, that some of them are on the way out, very older traditionalists, you know, uh, you know things are done a certain way, and it was somewhat of a, uh, you know, you know kiss the ring mentality where it waits your turn. Know, type of deal and uh, you know we were just hey we're here now we're gonna go we're, we're gonna you know cause a bunch of crap and and, and, and try to figure it out at the end mm-hmm. um, I think um, I've learned through a lot of mistakes that I've may have made and I've been fortunate fortunate enough to have guys like uh, Russ Sellen who's who's called me throughout the years he's actually my mentor and I said hey you know you may want to think about doing this a different way or you know mm-hmm. he gave me some great pointers mm-hmm. there and, and I think one of the greatest things with him is you know, he would always say, you know, hey, this is how you do things. You need your own identity. He goes, for me, that doesn't work my way. He goes, but if that's your way, do it. Just understand how you're going about it. And I think good conversations with, uh, with like that with some older coaches has obviously been good. I think now, you know, being in year 10 now with some of the coaches, you know, some of them leaving and, you know, I'm definitely one of the, if not necessarily the oldest, but one of the more respected coaches in our conference. And uh, I think it's cool now watching some of the turnovers where you see some of the younger coaches now, for me being in year 10, 11, you know, they sit there and they, you know, contact me for help or, you know, they, they look at, you know, how did things get done. And, you know, so it's a, it's a circle of life, you know. And, uh, you know, if I can go back, you know, and change things, you know, maybe I would have took away a little bit of some maybe of the spunk. But you know what? You can't. But you can't. And because, I, like, that's how you get you. better, and that's how you – Absolutely. Uh, that was you at the time. You're not you know, and, and that, and, you know, and one of the tough things, and which which many people didn't understand, is, like, a, lo- a lot of that, you know, I don't want to say necessarily cockiness, but a lot of the bravado and, and, and you know, and what we did, and whether it's different uniforms, whether it's the student section, like, people hated that stuff at yeah. first. But, um, you know, that was to build an identity. It was something for us to, to give our kids something to come back and, and mm-hmm. someone to, to, to want to play for. And, you know, a simple thing is having, you know, a different a, alternate uniform. Like that wasn't something that wasn't done. And kids like that, you know, yeah. they, they bought into that. And uh, that was a way for us to, you know, keep interest when we weren't particularly good, you know. And then now it's kind of – it's weird now where we're at the back end of it and, and we're kind of – now we're – a consistent, you know, power in a conference where we don't necessarily need to do all those things. Now we're finding different ways to continue to keep that interest right. level there, and you know, and, and 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 keep the fans there. And so it's t- it it's been up and down, you know. But uh, you know, people are always. My thing is that if they're uh, if everyone's happy with you, you're doing something wrong, <laughs> you know. So I'd rather have a bunch. You know, when people are upset at me, or they, just, you know, this guy's a little, you know, he's, he's a whippersnapper. This guy said I'm doing something right, mm-hmm. you know, because if we're getting their attention, that means they're concerned about us. So, you know, in that case, I I wouldn't take anything back from there. Thoughts on yesterday's game? Um, as a as a football person, you know, as a football coach, you know, I, I enjoyed the game. You know, uh, as for someone who is a you know a casual football fan, you're gonna absolutely hate it. You know, there's no point scored. There's all the hype. It's all this. You expect either Tom Brady to do really well, or the D line to crush Tom Brady, or Jared Goff and the Rams to do awesome. 
But uh, I, I thought it was great because you really saw two defensive coaches game plan their butts off. You know, for both of the te- both of the teams. You know, Tom Brady throws a pick the first you know the first drive, yeah, right. and then you know then it's three and out. And I, I think they, the Rams had eight punts in the first you know ten possessions or whatever it was. But uh, as a fo- as a football game, it was a good, it was a good game. You know, it wasn't as electric as people wanted to see. Or mm-hmm. you know, we've also been blessed having some great Super Bowls. You know, overtime games and things come down to the last drive. But you know, at the end of the day, the best team won and. You know, it was good to see some some young stars coming up, and it was great to see the the old goat hang around and you know still show why he deserves to play. And I think you really saw you know a great amount of coaching that was done. You know, I think you saw that in the first quarter. You know, a couple clips after defensive stops, and you see Wade Phillips, seventy plus years, and he's fist pumping and they're jumping up and down because it you know it, it you saw how much it meant to them. You know, so I thought that was important. You know, and, and most people say, hey, the Super Bowl stunk. All right, you know that's because yeah. it wasn't as entertaining as you wanted it to be. But I, I, I thought it was it was a good football game, you know. And that if you told the people on the Patriots, they're okay with how it ended <laughs> up, you know. Yeah, right. You know, Number so six, so fine. they'll they'll take a thirteen to three win. Yeah. <laughs> so Rob, as, as we wind down here, we want to let you get back to your general manager at home. Okay. But um, you're going into your eleventh year. Eleventh, yes. So and you're one of the more senior coaches now. Yep. What advice, looking back now, what advice do you give somebody who's just starting out as a varsity coach who's 24 yeah. years old? Yeah, or if you had to say to your younger self, mm-hmm. what, what advice lot, would you impart? That'll be a good one. A letter to my younger self. <laughs> Maybe I'll start writing that now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, just having conversations with some younger coaches, I, I guess it would be one, you know, you know, stay true to whatever your morals are. You know, uh, don't change, you know, for, for, for anything. You know, so if you feel strongly about something, obviously do it. And, um, you know, for, for younger coaches, I mean, the, the toughest thing is to, you know, stay with the grind. You know, it, your way is going to fail more times than not. And, you know, I think having the ability to continuously bounce back and have confidence in yourself, thinking that you're doing the right thing, you know, is something very important. And um, I, I guess the last thing is, you know, just, just stay true to whatever your um, whatever your code of conduct is, whatever your rules are, whatever you, know, whatever you do on a, to your program. You know, if you're going to say this is what it is, then that's what it has to be. You know, because oftentimes you'll see young coaches, especially, try to change and you know go against their word. And once they do that, they lose their lose their credibility because they're trying to please multiple people. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a tough thing to do. You know, as a young coach, and especially when you start getting criticism from a lot of people. Right. Thank you, Coach Blount. Tom and I really enjoyed this interview, and we were enlightened to hear about all the different aspects of your already illustrious coaching career. If people have questions or comments, please use the voice message feature in Anchor, and we'll produce a Rob Blount Overtime Edition where we will answer the questions and react to the comments.